0: This is Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast hosted by Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chiefs Corner, and on TikTok at Crew Chiefs Corner. And now on the Anchor Podcasting Network at Anchor.fm and the Anchor app. Hey everybody, this is Bobby here at Crew Chiefs Corner. Um, today's episode, we're going to talk a lot about the Bubba Wallace situation. I know everybody wants to discuss it, so we'll we'll talk about that. Um, the other thing we'll talk about is obviously Ryan Blaney's big win at, at Talladega, his second win in a, in a row there, his fourth career win in the NASCAR Cup Series. We will also discuss Saturday's Xfinity race, the unhinged 300 and we will look ahead this weekend at the double headers for the Cup cars at the Pocono Raceway, out in Long Pond, Pennsylvania. We'll we'll preview that for you, and we'll get you guys all caught up on all the latest news and notes. So stick around. This is the Coochie's Corner podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. There we go. All right, guys, back here on the Coochie's Corner podcast, and first and foremost, we want to start with the uh, the whole thing with Bubba Wallace, the whole. Uh, incident that that took place. I want to walk you guys through the timeline of that and kind of go through um, all that for you. I know it was a hot topic last night on our Facebook Live. If you didn't catch it, you can go on facebook.com slash the crew chief. And you can go back and watch. Uh, it was about an hour we did on Facebook Live last night. And uh, probably about 30 to 35 minutes of it we did exclusively on the Bubba Wallace situation. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a very interesting uh, debate um uh, back and forth about the thing but I think overall there were some some real takeaways from this situation so to kind of back this up for those of you that haven't been following along maybe as as closely um as I have um you know you, you got an email actually all the media members we got an email Sunday evening at uh 10:48 p.m. and NASCAR usually doesn't email uh the media members that late at night so for me, when I got that email, I kind of knew something was going on. Um, usually NASCAR is not contacting us that late. And furthermore, you know, uh, the race was already rained out. We already knew that happened. Um, you know, there really wasn't much else going on. So when you get an email uh, from them stating that there was a news found in, in Bubba's garage stall, your, your initial reaction is obviously anger. You're upset that, um, you know, someone... Uh, And it had to have been someone within the industry uh, did this because, you know, there's no fan access. Um, And, and, you know, you just you just absolutely get get upset about it. Um, So I think a lot of the the raw emotions we saw, whether it was Marty Smith's interview on ESPN, whether it was uh, some of the opinions that came out of it on uh, Monday morning. um, You know, I think a lot of that was was genuine and that was you know what everybody felt um and then that sign of unity when the drivers all got together and they pushed Bubba's car to the front of the grid I do believe that that was a genuine um uh, moment and you know it was kind of funny I was talking to uh to Rob Hill uh about this and I said you know wh- when it initially happened I told him I said you know I'm, I'm glad that that the drivers did what they did and get behind Bubba. Um, I, I can't imagine what he's gone through in the sense that um, I've seen some of the the comments that we've seen on our page, on, on all of our social, um, and, and some of the comments that, that people have made just overall in regards to this situation. And some of the vile comments that you've seen, I, I can only imagine for Bubba has been tenfold or twentyfold even. Um, you know, he's he's gotten so much stuff thrown at him that we'll never see, you know, and, and he doesn't really publicize that. Um, but some of the, the the folks that I follow on social media have really shared some absolutely disgusting comments that people have made to other people uh, about this this whole thing. And it, it's just uh, it shows that we have a lot of work to do you know, when it comes to the, uh, to, to, racism and, and just our overall opinions on it. Um, you know, I think that we all have to realize at the end of the day, um, you know, you have to, you have to speak out against it. Cause, um, there are people that, that believe that, you know, that should be a thing and it, and it has no place. It has no place in our sport and it has no place in our society. And, and we've discussed this at, at great length. Um, so when, when we get the email, uh, Yesterday afternoon at about 530, um, I was actually driving home and I was having a phone call my girlfriend and she said, hey, they just released um, the news from the FBI that there was no news found. It was actually the the garage door pole handle. Now, I knew earlier in the day um, there was a a friend of mine who I've known for several years um, was was getting a, a lot of heat. About um, a Facebook post that he made about that particular garage door handle, and shown photos from October 2019, and basically, you know, said that that he felt like this is what it could have been, and that you know it was it was really, um, you know, sad that this is what was uh, mistaken as a noose. And at the time, I was asked uh, by my by my friend Rob, who uh, Rob Hill, who uh, is in this uh, venture with me as as my co host and and, uh, and and all that, and he asked me if I wanted to publicly say something uh, about this friend of mine that that made this post, and I and I really was being hesitant on doing it because, um, you know, I, I've known this person for a long time. They work in the garage area. They they certainly have seen the garage at Talladega more than I have. And, you know, if he felt like that, that could have been thing that someone might've thought was a noose, then, you know, he's one person that has an opinion, but that doesn't mean that his opinion or his thoughts were the right ones. So, um, I learned, I learned a long time ago to, to try to go with the facts and try to go with the official stuff. So when NASCAR comes out and tells you, um, vehemently that this was not the scenario, which was what we saw um, during that press conference that Steve Phelps had on uh, Monday before the race, um, you believe them, and and then it comes out that that's actually exactly what it was. You sit there and you you shake your head and and you kind of wonder what NASCAR was trying to 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 do. You know, was this something that um, they knew it was this and they just tried to. Um, Say, hey, listen, we're, you know, I think maybe the thing they should have said was, hey, look, look, we're investigating this. Um, we're not going to get into the details, and things like that. Um, but just the some of the wordage and things that came out of, of NASCAR's uh, Steve Phelps um, left a, little, a lot to be desired at the end of the day. You know, this investigation, um, as I said yesterday on, on the live stream, uh, it, it could have been handled better. Um, you know, I think NASCAR should have done some investigate a little more investigating on their own side before you bring this to the FBI. Um, but I, but I think at the end of the day, the best pa- possible outcome was this isn't a hate crime. This isn't um, something that was was directed towards Bubba. This was something that um, you know in this in this time frame and in, in our in our in our society, and especially this time frame in our sport. Um, there's a lot of sensitivity around around uh, social injustices and and social issues, um, and someone thought that that was a noose. I mean, you know, what what are you gonna say to that person? You know, I know I know what a lot of you want to say because uh, I've seen it and I've read it, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm I'm glad that NASCAR uh, took the took it seriously. They did what they should have done, which was you know, investigate it. Um, I just wish they would have done a little bit more investigating before they went to the FBI with it and gone public with it. Uh, But, you know, I think that if it was the other way and somebody else discovered it and somehow, you know, Bubba found out that um, or saw a photo of this and thought it was a noose and NASCAR didn't know about it, didn't acknowledge it, um, excuse me, didn't acknowledge it, didn't investigate it. Um, and you go the other way with it, it makes it, it makes it hard for, for NASCAR as well. So, um, I think no matter what situation, um, whether it was, you know, the team member that finds it, Bubba finds it, whatever, I think they have to investigate it. They have to look at it. And, uh, you know, that, that shows that NASCAR is, uh, is being, you know, is, is taking, um, you know, zero tolerance on those things. You know, they're going to investigate it and make sure that it wasn't a hate crime. Uh, Which obviously it wasn't, you know, that was what the FBI found. So um, it is what it is. I mean, it it definitely has, it leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. I get it Uh, that they, they kind of, you know, ran with this in the way they did. Um, But at the end of the day, I don't think the the message of unity, I don't think the message of unity in any way, shape or form is, is tainted um, by the fact that uh, Bubba has dealt with a lot of garbage. You know, a lot of garbage, um, whether it's, you know, supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and, and I don't think that running a car necessarily means he supports every single thing that that that, that group stands for. Um, I think he's, you know, trying to support a a particular, um, you know, thing in that. Um, and I think the other thing is, too, is the, the Confederate flag, flag was a hot button issue. Um, you know, and I don't think it was just Bubba's view that, that got NASCAR to the point of banning it. You know, I think there was, um, kind of a general consensus, consensus that that doesn't belong in the sport. And, um, you know, I think Bubba's opinion was one of, of several that they sought out and, and that's what led to it. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think all the drivers getting behind Bubba, taking the picture, standing there for the national anthem, um, you know, really showed that NASCAR, you know, if you're gonna attack one NASCAR driver, you're gonna attack all of them. And uh that was a pretty powerful powerful message. I mean, I don't care what anybody says, you know. Um I think I think the drivers handled it well. I know Jimmy Johnson um was texting in the driver chat that they have um that he he wanted to stand next to Bubba during the national anthem originally. And then uh Kevin Harvick Uh, Came out and basically was the one that came up with the idea to push the car to the front of the grid and all the drivers and crews stand behind Bubba and show their support of Bubba Wallace. So, you know, I know a lot of people are upset at the media um, that have covered this. Um, I know there was a lot of people that were that were mad about it. Um, you know, from my end, I mean, you know, we literally just tried to cover just the facts, but I, I get that there is some coverage on, on other, you know, reporters that um, left something to be desired. And I think I've seen a lot of, uh, some of them have apologized. Some of them really haven't. And a lot of them are just, you know, trying to play the whole wall, you know, we we only have to go off of what NASCAR told us. Um, and that is true to an extent, you know, you you only have the NASCAR statement to go off of um, because they don't allow any of the media in the garage area right now. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, you still have to be, you still have to see all angles and you still have to try to seek the truth when it comes to that. So, um, you know, that's what we were trying to do. We were trying to seek out what, what actually was going on. And um, that's why I wasn't playing into the con- into the conspiracy theories. That's why I wasn't playing into any of them, whether it was the serpentine belt that, that proved to be false, Um, you know, and, and then, and then the first, you know, uh, that the pole cord uh, for the garage doors, you know, we, we didn't give into that, even though um, some of the people that had that, I knew, you know, I knew, you know, I have known personally for, for years, Um, you know, we didn't even run with those stories because I, I'd, I'd rather be right. Um, and get the stuff directly from NASCAR then to try to guess and figure out whose, you know, whose opinions or whose, you know, rumor mill is correct. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, like I said, it was it was uh, a relief that it was just a mistake, a mistaken identity when it comes to uh, the the pole cord uh, rope on the doors there at Talladega and it was not. It was not a noose, um, so that's that's a good thing. Um, like I said, the thing that leaves a lot to be desired is NASCAR's handling of the situation. I know um, they could have done a lot better job, you know. And at the end of the day, NASCAR will, I'm sure, go over this and look at uh, maybe on the PR side of things how they could have handled it a little bit better, and um, you know, made it a little bit um, so it wasn't such a black eye on the sport at the end of the day, but. The important thing is is that Bubba's okay. There's there was no um direct harm to him and uh we'll move forward, you know. Um the only other thing I want to address is uh I was asked a question in one of my uh groups um that I posted in someone asked me if we were uh, censoring and or banning and deleting members uh from our social accounts and yes, we have been. Um Some of the uh, comments I've gotten have been um, very offensive, very vulgar, uh, just absolute vile that has been coming out of some folks. So we have banned, um, I think at last count, it was around 20 to 22 people um, that we have um, dropped the hammer on. Uh, And that's just on Facebook. On Twitter, we've been pretty good. Uh, the Twitter following isn't as big as the Facebook following, so we've been pretty good on the on the Twitter side of things. And Instagram um, still has the feature that I can turn off commenting on on the post on the picture, so we we did that to avoid any uh, particular issues on that. And I think that uh, that helped us out a lot on the on the Instagram side of things. But overall, I think the comments have been um, you know kind of all over the map. There's been a lot of people that were uh, skeptical of it at first. And, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, that skepticism might have been met, not on my side, but by others uh, with a lot of uh, anger and frustration. But um, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, you you look at you're going to look back at this and say, you know, NASCAR did the right thing by investigating it. But could have done a better job of handling the investigation and and uh, explaining to the fans exactly what they had instead of trying to say, oh, no, there's no doubt it's a noose, it's a noose, it's a noose. And then the FBI comes around and says that it's not a hate crime. The, the poll cord was there in uh, October of 2019, and, and there was some proof that it was there even before then. So, you know, it is what it is um, at this point. You know, I don't want to beat the proverbial dead horse on this topic uh, too much. So what we'll do is we'll come back. On the other side of this break, we will talk about the Talladega Super Speedway races. We had a first-time winner on Saturday in the Unhinged 300. We had former guest of the Crew Chiefs Corner uh, podcast way back in the day, actually on the on our radio show back when we were doing online radio. Uh, Justin Haley took to the victory lane on... Um, on Saturday and then Sunday, of course, Ryan Blaney's fourth career cup series win. And it came at the Talladega super speedway. So we'll be back after this short break here on the Coochie's Corner podcast. All right, guys, we're back here on the Coochie's Corner podcast. And we are going to get started on this past weekend's races at the Talladega Super Speedway. So, on Saturday, we saw uh, Justin Haley pick up his first career Xfinity win. And Justin, as I alluded to uh, before we went to that quick little break, uh, Justin was a uh, former guest of ours back on the uh, the old Coochie's Corner days when we were doing the uh, online radio uh, stuff, so... Uh, good to see Justin pick up his first career Xfinity win. Happy for him. And, uh, you know, he completes the, the three national series victories. He wins uh, a couple truck races uh, last year or two years ago, actually. He won the cup race uh, last July uh, at Daytona. And he, uh, in that rain-shortened event, and then he picks up his first career Xfinity series win, ironically, at a super speedway after he had one taken away, depending on how you look at things at Daytona, uh, in, uh, in July. So that was just a a wild, 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 uh, weekend. The Xfinity race had a lot of action in it. Uh, there was a couple big wrecks late in that race that really kind of, uh, made it, uh, interesting. And, it's just uh, it's going to be very, very interesting going forward how the the plate uh, races go for for the Xfinity cars. I feel like um, you know these drivers are starting to get a little bit better at at uh, you know at least this year speaking. They're they're getting a little bit better with them, and um, there's some exciting racing coming down to the to the end there. You know you definitely thought uh, Jeb Burton had that race on lockdown uh, as far as you're concerned, but you really look at where the the potential is in that race team, uh, I mean, in the, and that series. And you know, that there's going to be a lot of, uh, changes coming. There's going to be a lot of things that, um, you know, people are going to be looking forward to and, um, you know, it'll be exciting when the series gets back to Daytona there at the end of August, um, you know, going into, into what will be the cup playoffs and then, you know, the Xfinity playoffs will be later. It'll be exciting to see what changes uh, come out of, um, you know, this weekend's races, you know, what's the, you know, maybe some strategies some teams are going to think about and going, uh, getting closer and closer to the playoffs, what some of those changes might be as far as, like I said, strategy, whether you hang out in the back, do you try to run at the front and all the other things that you get to uh, kind of experience during a restricted plate weekend. Um, but like I said, on the other side of things, you're gutted for Jeb. You know, Jeb has tried so hard. Jeb Burton, I mean, has tried so hard at winning one of these races. He almost won the, uh, the race at Daytona, almost came back and, uh, won it there, uh, at Talladega and, uh, you know, he'll get one. I think eventually, I mean, I do, I do think he's headed in the right direction. Uh, I think that junior motorsports team is. Is definitely a force to be reckoned with most weekends. Whether it's Jeb, whether it's Daniel Hemrick. I mean, we saw Dale Jr. had a great run in that car uh, at Homestead Miami uh, a week ago. So you know that that team they're gonna they're gonna win some races at some point this year. Um, You know Noah Gregson's been to victory lane. Justin Allgaier's gonna get to victory lane. Um, And and Michael Annette you know, has has been competitive. Um, So it's gonna be one of those things that we'll see how it all ends up, um, you know, for those things. So we will also, um, you know, kind of look at, uh, later, later on, we'll look at all the news and notes that have come up, uh, during the week, um, whether it's paint schemes or whatever, we'll, we'll take a look at that in a little bit, but getting to the cup race on Sunday, um, well, it was supposed to be Sunday and then it got rained out. Then we got to Monday and it rained on Monday. And then we we got a a pretty exciting race there, you know, Monday afternoon into into early Monday evening. We had probably I don't want to say it was the most exciting Talladega race, but it was one of the more exciting ones. There was a lot of things that were going on. I know the Chase Elliott fans out there are pretty upset that Chase uh, got (laughs) got taken out by yet another team Penske driver. So um, maybe some uh, rivalries brewing there between Penske and Chase. Um, so we'll see how that kind of plays out later in the season, but, uh, overall a, a big win for Ryan Blaney. Now he completes the Penske sweep of drivers that have won races this year, uh, in the cup series. So all three have won and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes for the rest of the year. Now, now Blaney's got to win another race. Cause then it'll be, uh, all three Penske drivers with multiple wins on the season, but we're not there quite yet, but uh, a, a nice win for Ryan. Uh, definitely looked like coming off a turn four, going down the, into the trioval. that Eric Jones and John Hunter Nemechek had a real shot at that one. Um, and then Blaney went up to block and got into Jones, and that sent uh, Jones into John Hunter Nemechek, which caused that accident. And then um, if you didn't see the video of Eric Almirola spinning backwards to get third, you should go back and look at the end of that race and look at uh, Almirola getting spun around backwards and crossing the finish line in third place, beating out Denny Hamlin for that position. But a, uh, a good race for, for Blaney, uh, overall, just kind of, a, an interesting, uh, finish he had, you know, like I said, a big wreck coming to, to the start finish line. Uh, but the guys overall, I thought mixed it up pretty well. We didn't have the big one earlier in the race. I know sometimes, um, you can have the big one happen early and you lose 25, 30 cars, and then you end up with a big, just giant mess. Um, we didn't have that on Sunday. I mean, on uh, Monday, um, you know, we had that kind of big wreck at the end of the event, which um, you don't want to see. But thankfully, nobody got airborne. Nobody hit another car when it was flipping and anything like what we saw at Daytona. Uh, thankfully, it was uh, a much, much calmer uh, finish than the Daytona 500 was. So that that was a good thing. Uh, and then, you know, Blaney's going to move into, into this weekend at Pocono. The whole series goes to Long Pond, Pennsylvania. We have two cup races this weekend. We have the Xfinity and the trucks out there as well. Um, the entry list, everything is going to be up. I, I, have kind of fell behind on getting the cup results up. I didn't get the entry list up. So we'll get that all up probably sometime tomorrow uh, morning. I probably, when I get up, I'll post a lot of that stuff up just so you guys have it. But there are, Thirty six um, trucks on the entry list for uh, Pocono, um, which is kind of on the on the lower side of things. Um, we've had four up to 40 a lot of these races, but we'll have 36 at Pocono. We'll have uh, around 36 to 38 uh, Xfinity cars for the Xfinity race. And then we have 40 cup cars for both races on Saturday and Sunday at Pocono. Um So as far as other news and notes, uh, Josh Bullock, is going to drive the 7 this weekend. At Pocono, he's going to have Insurance King as his sponsor for both races for Tommy Baldwin's team. Um, Also, James Davison is going to drive the uh, 77 for Spire. He was supposed to make his debut at Talladega. He's going to drive the 77. um, Both races this this weekend. Um, I kind of alluded to it during the 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 Facebook Live uh, yesterday, you know, I still don't really get why NASCAR is going to let this guy who has zero stock car experience, he's an Indy car driver, why they're going to let him just go out there and kind of uh, do it, you know, with with a whole bunch of guys and and have no practice at Pocono. Uh, hopefully, he's driven an Indy car there, so hopefully he knows you know a little bit about the track. But um, I'm not going to get my hopes up on that one. So we'll see we'll see how that all plays out for us on Saturday and Sunday. Don't forget that the teams will have two cars there. They can go to their second car on Sunday. Um, so I believe most teams are bringing two fully prepared cars. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some low budget teams over on just one, but I think for the most part, most of these teams are going to bring two cars out there that are ready to go. Um, as far as paint schemes go, Kyle Busch is going to run a M&M's mini scheme. Um, it kind of looks kind of cool. It's, it's, um, solid yellow. Um, and then it's got the little mini M&Ms on it and then the, uh, mini M&M logo on the, on the hood. Um, so it's not, doesn't have the M&M screaming like they normally do. Um, it's kind of a simplistic scheme, but a, a neat one at that. Um, Ryan Newman is going to have progressive. So he's going to have flow riding with them again. They changed the paint scheme up this time. They kind of did a, a dark blue, light blue, uh, two-tone on that car. It, it looks kind of sharp. Um, so we'll see how that all kind of works out uh, on Saturday and Sunday. So nice to see Progressive add another race that was supposed to be a one-off deal at Atlanta. So obviously, uh, they saw a, a positive investment on, on, uh, on their uh, advertising dollars there at Atlanta. So they're going to be back on Newman's car at um, Pocono. And then I'm um, trying to think of any other things that I saw that was kind of like wow that was neat. Um, Kevin Harvick's going to run a a head to the mountains uh, car at Pocono. Um, I'll share out that paint scheme. I have that rendering. Um, it's a it's a neat car. It's a dark blue uh, bush light car. So you guys will enjoy that one. I know, and it has the mountains on it. And uh, some people are playing the old mount, the the old mountain commercials that they did for Bush Beer back in probably the 90s, I'd say. So it was kind of a neat little uh, throwback they're going to do. Um, and they're going to head to the mountains um, this weekend, literally heading to mountains uh, out there in Long Pond, Pennsylvania. Um, also, for those of you out there that, are, that have um, some free time this weekend, obviously Pocono is... Is uh, not going to be open to the fans, but um, heading into race weekend, if you go to um you can check out. They have a virtual uh, fan walk that they have open. So you can go check out some of the different partners that Pocono has usually in their fan zone uh, out there in Long Pond, Pennsylvania. And they did a really cool promotion. I, I don't think I made the cut because uh, I didn't get the email, but they had a deal where they were going to uh, allow 1,200 and 50 fans to virtually sign the start-finish line. But I don't think I made the cut on that one, unfortunately. So uh, no message for me on that start-finish line. But they're going to, I think, um, basically handwrite some messages out on the uh, start-finish line for the fans that won't be able to attend. But I thought that was kind of a neat idea that Pocono came out with with uh, something for... For uh, the fans to interact with and uh, feel like you're at the track, even though you got to be at home to watch this one. So it'll be interesting. I I get asked this question quite a bit is how is it watching a race at Pocono in person? And what I'll tell you guys is um, when you're at the track and when you're at the track and any any of these racetracks, I don't care if it's Pocono, Dover, Richmond, um, Daytona, Talladega, whatever track you want to go to. My biggest thing I can tell you is that when you're at the track, um, it is totally a different experience. Pocono is so big that when the cars race by the front straightaway, it's, you know, basically 50 to 55 seconds before they come back by and and, and run right in front of you again. Um, so one of the things I did many, many years ago was I bought uh, a fan vision controller. And what a fan vision controller does is it allows you to see the TV broadcast. Um, but then you get to kind of listen with a headset. Uh, kind of like almost kind of like what I have except um, you know it doesn't come with a, a microphone um, at least not normally uh, that you could talk to the other person. Uh, I mean that you can you know kind of listen to the the drivers and the spotters, what they're talking about. you know you'll hear guys complain about things. So if you've never rented one, uh, a fan vision when you get to your next race, I recommend you guys try it out. Um, it just brings you a different perspective. And then you get to hear the radio broadcast, which I really do like MRN um, radio and, and PRN. They got, those guys do a nice job on the radio broadcast between the two. I uh, obviously am, am more an MRN guy just because I I like their voices uh, a little bit more. They they have folks that uh, do a very good job being very descriptive of everything where PRN is kind of a little more loose. They're a little more on the TV side of things uh, with the descriptions are not as as – as uh, as good as MRN is in my opinion um but i think you look at um you know being at Pocono, there's always something you can watch you know whether you're your uh, your drivers in it or not you can um you're you can see something you know the race isn't boring i mean i've i've heard of people that can fall asleep at races i've never been able to be one of those people because um there's always something you can kind of watch you can kind of you know, dig in and and you could, you know, see a driver that's struggling and listen to their radio, or you could kind of see what's going on, um, you know, and just watch, watch how people are hand, you know, going into the corners, you know, what, what lines are they taking going into turn one um, and how they're getting off of turn three, you know, are they able to apply the gas at, at certain points? You know, there's a lot of things that you can, you can take in at a track like that, that, um maybe watching on TV you're not able to do you're not able to kind of see whatever you want to see um you know you're kind of at the mercy of of the of the coverage of the race and and if the media isn't doing their isn't doing the greatest job covering the race it's kind of hard for you to maybe see your favorite driver or see an underdog driver or whatever um kind of tickles your fancy there so i definitely think the races are better in person at Pocono um you know as someone that's gone a lot of them over the years, but unfortunately will not be able to attend this year's race. And actually this is the weekend I was supposed to be, uh, I was supposed to be going out. So this, this one will hurt a little bit less than the one at Dover, uh, just cause Dover race weekend usually for me is, is usually the the first race of the year I go to. It's usually the one that, um, uh, you know, it's kind of like that, that, that new seasons, in the atmosphere, but um, we'll hopefully get to go to Dover in, in August. But obviously my hopes aren't up on that one, um, but we'll see. The other, only other news I saw, I thought it was pretty interesting. I know it's not NASCAR directly related, but Indianapolis Motor Speedway said they've sold 175,000 seats for the Indianapolis 500 in August. So we'll see how that all works out. I don't know how Indiana is going to feel about that one when we get to... To uh, the brickyard, uh, you know, for uh, the 400, but also uh, how that's going to look for the uh, Indianapolis 500. I know Roger Penske's adamant they're not going to run the 500 unless they're allowed to have fans there. But at what capacity is acceptable? Is is reasonable? Uh, given all the fears of coronavirus and the spikes that we're starting to see in some of these other states uh, outside the the New York, New Jersey metro area. um, We've been pretty, pretty lucky here that uh, as I knock on on the wood on my bed frame here um, that we've been pretty lucky uh, that we haven't seen the spikes that that we saw in the beginning uh, of the outbreak. So um, hopefully hopefully we'll be able to have fans uh, like I said, Dover and hopefully uh, Indy will be able to have fans, but I, I don't know, 175,000 people for the Indy 500 seems like quite a lot of people and maybe not such, the, not such a great idea given the optics of everything we're going through with COVID. So we'll see how that all pans out. So really, uh, that's all I have for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Be sure to check us out on our social media accounts as you guys will hear here in a couple of seconds. If you didn't already know, if you didn't already know, you can always catch us on our live recordings. We are on YouTube, so just go on YouTube and search Coochie's Corner. Hit that subscribe button there, and then you'll be notified of when we go live with the recordings of the Coochie's Corner podcast. We're also on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash Giants, like the football Giants, 02122, and you'll be able to catch us on Twitch as well. So as always, everybody, have a good night. Have a good rest of the week. We will catch you guys either on Friday or Saturday, um, and we'll come at you with another episode of the podcast. So until next time, this is Bobby Bailey, and you've been listening to the Coochie's Corner Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Coochie's Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner, and on the Anchor app at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening.